Well, please join me in prayer. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for this ancient psalm. We thank you that it has meant so much to your people through the ages uh, to sing, to say, to pray this psalm. And we pray, our Heavenly Father, that we will be amongst those people blessed as we focus our attention on this psalm to your praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had a friend who, when he was 60, he t- I said, what are you going to do for your birthday? He said, I'm going to take my two sons uh, out for lunch and to a movie. I want to establish a tradition so that when I die, they'll have something good to say about me in the eulogy. I said, you might have left your run a little bit too late. But it's good, isn't it, to think at the beginning about the end. What would you like said by your children and your grandchildren about you? What will be the content of the eulogy they give for you? And I remember speaking to a person once and he said to me, I'd just like them to say, I was a Psalm 100 man. I was a Psalm 100 man. Now in the Gideon's Bible, you'll know in the front of the Gideon's Bible, there's a page that says where to look when, where to look when you're worried, where to look when you need rest, where to look when you need comfort. But if there were a note, and there is, where to look when... Uh, you want to give thanks, then I'm sure it would address itself to Psalm 100. Of all the scriptures listed in that Gideon's page, the vast majority are from the Psalms. And here is a Psalm. Look at the title of this Psalm. A Psalm for giving grateful praise. A Psalm for giving thanks. Where to look when? Where to look when I want to express thanks to Almighty God for the life which I enjoy. A Psalm for giving thanks. And you'll know that at the coronation service of Her Majesty the Queen way back in the 1950s and the coronation service of any British monarch and our monarch, it is this scripture, Psalm 100, which is read because it is this scripture which gives thanks to Almighty God and recognises that there is a God over the monarch. Uh, Recently, a few years ago now, I was in Edinburgh and we are at a, a preaching conference at a Bible college And a fellow said, on Wednesday night, we're going to be having Highland praise. So stay behind for Highland praise. So I stayed behind for Highland praise. Now, there are about 500 people at this conference, but 200 of us stayed behind. And they just sang the Psalms. And they sang the Psalms without musical accompaniment. And one guy, uh, Tommy, got up the front, and he was the presenter, and he said, listen, I'll give you the tune, just follow me. And I have never heard singing that good, even in the great days of Katoomba. No musical accompaniment. Here we went through the Psalms. And the one that really brought the roof down was Psalm 100, all people that on earth do dwell. Look at it. A Psalm with an economy of words. It says, thank you. As parents, we say to our children, say thank you. Our mums and dads taught us to say thank you. And here is God saying, here is how you can give thanks, not bon appetit, not jumping in like animals, but saying thank you. Never forget an experience I had hearing a mother. Someone said, you must, to this mother, you must be very proud of your son. And she shook her head, no, she said, I'm grateful for my son. You see, pride focuses on the person, 
Gratitude focuses on God, the source of that person. Now, what strikes you immediately here in this psalm is how respectful it is. Not only does the psalmist tell you what you are to do, but he tells you why you are to do it. And we know, you know, from experience of raising children, you need to tell them not only what to do, but why to do it, because they'll soon stop doing the what if they don't understand the why. And God never gives us a what without also giving us an accompanying why. And so faith is always rational. This is what God says you're to do, and these are the reasons you're to do it. Now, look at how balanced this psalm is. There are six verbs telling us what to do. Have a look at them first, verse 1. It says, shout for joy to the Lord. Secondly, verse 2, worship the Lord. Thirdly, verse 2, come before him. Fourthly, verse 4, enter his gates. Verse 4, fifthly, give thanks. And then sixthly, praise his name. So we're given six commands, we're given six what's, we're told what to do, and there they are, shout for joy, worship, come before him, enter his gates, give thanks, praise his name. But notice how beautifully balanced that is. Look at uh, verses um, uh, three and five, because there you find the six reasons for doing those six what's. Verse three, know that the Lord is God, that's first. Two, he made us and we are his. Three, we are the people of his pasture. Four, verse five, the Lord is good. Five, his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations. So there are six whys to parallel six what's. And so the question is, are you a Psalm 100 person? Are you walking in the steps of the what's? And do you understand the reason why you're to walk in those steps, the whys, as we approach 2022? Uh, The Bishop of Liverpool from 1880, Bishop uh, J.C. Ryle, a great evangelical bishop of the Church of England, said, I'm an old man, but I seldom meet a young man who is humble or an old man who is contented. Now, that's a challenge for us all, isn't it? Young or old. We can be cranky when we're old and we can be proud when we're young and we can be proud when we're old and we can be cranky when we're young. But it's a good reminder to come back here and be a Psalm 100 person. Now, what I want to do this morning is focus on these six whys. Look at the first of the six. Verse three, know that the Lord is God. The Lord is God The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is God and there is no other God. You are not God. Baal is not God. The Assyrian gods are not God. When the rapper Kanye West, I'm sure you're familiar with him, became a Christian, he said, this is my testimony, Jesus is king. Full stop. Jesus is is God and there is none other. Simple, clear, uncluttered. The Lord is God. That's absolutely central to the theology of the Bible. Second reason, verse 3, he made us. We didn't make him. We didn't make ourselves. We are not self-made and we are not makers of God. And he owns that which he makes. 
So he owns me because he knit me together in my mother's womb and he knit you together in my mother's womb, so he has a claim on you because he made you. But through the cross, he redeemed you and brought you as his own. So God has a double claim on us, not only by right of creation, but also by right of redemption. So he made us. Thirdly, his people are his sheep. We are his people the sheep of his pasture. We are in the care of a powerful and experienced shepherd. There's no greater truth as we begin a new year. Fate is not in control. Luck is not in control. Chance is not in control. Chaos doesn't rule. No rogue cell, no rogue virus, a failure, a collapse cannot happen outside the provident shepherdly purpose of Almighty God. He is in control. And you say, well, wait on, the devil's active. But as Martin Luther, the German reformer, said, yes, but the devil is God's devil. He has him on a leash. And there is nothing ahead in 2022 that is not good for me and allowed by my shepherd to this sheep. King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. Go down to verse 5. Fourth, he is good. The Lord is good. He is morally perfect. He is not careless. He is not badly motivated. He doesn't come on a whim. He is good. Verse 5, his love endures Forever. He has sworn to love you, his sheep, and he will love you. I remember being in Tenderfield one time with an old bloke who was an old shepherd. He said, David, I want you to know that every lamb that is born has got one goal in life, and that is to die. And my job as shepherd is to keep that silly lamb from dying. And there's a sense in which God knows that we wander away, and yet he brings us back. His love is enduring. We are undeserving. We may be unlovable, but God brings us back. His love endures forever. So John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, said, I remember still I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great saviour. His steadfast love endures forever. And then sixthly, look at verse 5. What a wonderful final reason. We are told his faithfulness continues through all generations. The God who can do anything, but is not the God who can do everything because he will never act contrary to himself. This is the God who does never say one thing and yet do another. This is the God who never makes a promise and yet it slips out of his memory. He is entirely trustworthy Every promise, every warning, his faithfulness continues through all generations. So there, dear friends, is six whys to match six watts. And I ask you, therefore, are you a Psalm 100 person? Is Psalm 100 going to be your psalm as you head into 2022? Now, let me just point out three things to you. Come back with me to verse 1. 
And notice in verse 1, it says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. It's comprehensive. It's for everyone. The old translation says, all people that on earth do dwell. That is, all dwellers on earth. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is our creator, and all other gods are gods of the imagination. They are made in human image. He alone is God. We are made in his image, and therefore we need to come and bow the knee to him. I remember sitting in a meeting of the Scots College Council and the chairman of the council were talking about the goal of Scots College. And the chairman of the council said this, our goal is that each boy bow the knee to God and stand tall before men. And I thought that's a great goal for a church school. Bow the knee to God and stand tall before men. And yet religious people, you'll know religious people for whom their God is their greatest source of anxiety. And yet here is the God that we had to come before and bow the knee to him because he is good and his love endures forever. Read of that Pakistani lady, Bilkush Sheikh. Here she is, a high-born Pakistani lady, a Muslim, and one night she has a dream, and in the dream she's standing with the Bible and the Quran, one in each hand. Which one should I read? And the voice in the dream says, read the book which calls me Father. She knew that wasn't the Quran. It must be the Scriptures. And she read and came to Christ and wrote her testimony in the book, I Dared to Call Him Father. Tragedy, isn't it? That the religious often are the most anxious. Why are they anxious? Because they're anxious about their God. And yet as believers, we come to a loving Father. All the earth, all people on earth do dwell. Come to, the, come to the Lord with cheerful voice. Secondly, notice here that there's talk about courts and gates and places. And yet when I come to the New Testament, I don't come to a place. I don't come to a temple as such a building, but I do come to a person. The true place where we meet God is in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, To see God is to see Christ. To see Christ is to see God. Whoever has seen me, he said, has seen the Father. No one has seen God, but God, the only Son who is the Father's side, has made him known. So the psalmist is anticipating the time when we come to the Lord Jesus. Come to him. Bow the knee to him. Recognise him as your Lord. And recognise that worship is not just lip, but it is also life. Because when you come to him, come as a living sacrifice. So you see, the psalm anticipates that, doesn't it? The focus of attention is Jesus. And worship is not just singing praise, but living a life. It's not just saying prayers and singing hymns. It's how you treat one another. It's how you drive your car. It's how you honour your parents. It's how you conduct your business. The world has as many ears as eyes. It can hear what we say and it can see the way we live. So it's an anticipatory psalm. Roland Hill, the social uh, reformer in England, said, I care not for a man's repentance if his dog and cat are not the better for it. 
In other words, it will make a difference to the way you treat even animals when you come to this God and are regenerated through Christ. So first of all, all the earth, comprehensive. Secondly, anticipatory, person, Jesus, not a place, lip and life. But thirdly, just have a look at the whys. Why should I come? Why should I worship? Why should I praise? It doesn't say come and praise him when everything's going well. Come and praise him when your team won the premiership. Come and praise him when you've got a premier you like. Come and praise him when you've got a prime minister you like. No. The wise all relate to the character of God, not the circumstances of life. And so that's why, as Christians, we shine most clearly in the world when we are going through the greatest catastrophes, because circumstances make no difference to the reason we are to be thankful. We are to be thankful in all circumstances because of what we believe about the character of God. Come to Psalm 100 when your health is good. Come and sing Psalm 100 when your health is not good. Come and sing Psalm 100 when you are rich or poor. The reason you come is not because of the circumstances of life, but the reason you come is because of the character of God. Come again and again. I'll never forget that day, a Sunday afternoon, we were in We War. It was October. The cotton was that far above the ground. The wheat was in head, almost ready to be harvested. And a great uh, storm came through. And uh, it was a dreadful storm, a hailstorm. And it counted devastation for this large farm. And afterwards, I went out with the farm owner. And one of his labourers came down. We, we were looking at the potted damage done to our cars by this hail, these hailstorms. And the labourer who worked for this man, he said, well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And he spat on the ground. He showed his disdain for the Christian owner's God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And my friend said, you finish that verse. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's a reason. That's why we shout. That's why we worship. That's why we come before. That's why we enter his gates. That's why we give thanks. That's why we praise his name. Not because harvest was good. But the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we have even more reason than the faithful of Israel, don't we? To make Psalm 100 our own. We have the clearest revelation of God in his son, the Lord Jesus. They didn't have that. We have the clearest manifestation of God's love in the cross. They didn't have that. We have the greatest reason for hope in the resurrection of Jesus. They didn't have that. The God who made you loves you. Fred Rogers, good on him. Go out and buy that DVD. It's a great movie. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. What and why? No longer the old, the, uh, no wonder the old Psalter says, Oh, enter then his gates with praise. Approach with joy his courts unto. Praise, Lord, and bless his name always. 
for it is seemly so to do. Are you a Psalm 100 person? Is this your native language or is your native language thanklessness, self-made independent pride, discontent, uncertainty in your relationship with God? Or is it Psalm 100 because you know him and are his? Well, please stand and uh, please have your Bibles open before you. Please stand and we're going to read the psalm together. So if you have your Bibles open at page 936, and we're going to read together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Please be seated. 